Hello, everybody, and welcome to Build, Lead, Succeed, the official podcast of the National Association of Women in Construction. I'm your host, Angela Hyland, and I've got a great show for you today. Miranda Martz is a tradeswoman, a CNC machinist who has honed her skills and earned the credibility and the respect in her craft. Through her journey, she was inspired to help others and make an impact through apprenticeship programs for the younger generations. This is truly how you build, lead, and succeed. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. This is Angela Highland, and today we are going to be speaking with Miranda Martz. She is the pre-apprenticeship coordinator at the Manufacturers Association. Welcome to the show, Miranda. Thank you, Angela. How are you this evening? I'm doing good. It's a beautiful day here in Orlando. It's just like the days that we all live here for. It's like 75 and breezy. It's I'm fantastic. so jealous. It's 45 <laughs> here in Pennsylvania. So <laughs> cold for me, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the Manufacturers Association and the work you do there. So the Manufacturers Association is um, a company, we have about 400 members now, um, and we teach uh, anything that is related to industry and manufacturing. So I'm a pre-apprenticeship coordinator, and we also run apprenticeships at nighttime. Um, I actually went through the apprenticeship program myself. Um, And we've been a company for over 100 years serving uh, York County and South Central Pennsylvania with helping to um, make, you know, their industries better and help them guide them with um, supervisory classes, as well as um, SolidWorks classes, anything that has to do with manufacturing. All right. So you went through the pre-apprenticeship program and what program, um, you know, what skill was that that you learned? So I went through the apprenticeship program. Um, The pre-apprenticeship program is meant for kids that are in 10th grade to 12th grade. It gives them kind of like a pipeline into the apprenticeship program. Um, I actually was afforded to go to the apprenticeship program by a company that I had worked with at the time. Um, just to get training to become a journey person, a journeyman uh, machinist. Uh, I was at the time a CNC machinist, but I didn't have the accreditation, the state accreditation to be a journeyman machinist. So they had asked me if I was willing to go to school for it and continue education. So I did. Um, And I went to night classes. They're 6 to 9 p.m. at night Um, on top of working a 40 plus hour job. Um, I would take the time and go six to nine and uh, it's a four year, just like any traditional college, but it's a four year program um, to be a journey person, five year to be tool and die. Um, And I just actually finished that about two years ago. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Woman, this is the first time we've had an actual tradeswoman on this show, which is really exciting because... There's not enough of them out there. And I agree with you 100%. And it's kind of funny because I was the first journey person, woman machinist they had through their program. Really? So yes, what I was inspired the first one. you to get into that? I, you know, I, it all started when I was younger and I just love working with my hands and I love working with my family um, around cars. They, they had a garage. Um, 
since I was knee high to a grasshopper, <laughs> I was following my dad around and taking things apart. So I was always like mechanically inclined, but I went through school and I was uh, pushed to not really do that sort of thing. Um, I was pushed towards home mech, uh, but I always knew I wanted to work with my hands and I wanted to work with cars and stuff like that. Um, and I eventually made it to my first machine. Um, and by that time I went from one machine to the next machine, learning different skills and things. And I finally figured out that, Hey, this is what I wanted to do. I was really good at it. You know, it, um, it made me realize that this is what I was meant to do essentially. Cause it was easy. It was fun. Um, and I just kind of grew from there and blossomed from there, um, into CNC machining. And then went into another company where I learned how to run about seven or eight different CNC machines, um, how to program them and set them up and run them. And I became a lead in the area within six years um, and was overhead of about five or six men um, in the area. And both places I ended up being, uh, well, the only female machinist, really which was, was hard to deal with um, in its own ways. It had its own challenges. Um, but eventually I, you know, just found out that it was what I love to do. It was really my passion. So that's kind of how I got into CNC machining and being a machinist. So I don't know a whole lot about that side of CNC. I used to work at a sign shop. Uh, they were, you know, did a lot of architectural signage and they had a cnc router and you know they'd make things but i've never seen it from the machinist side what kind of things do you make with oh pretty much if you can imagine it you can make it um you know that's pretty what pretty much what machinists are they are problem solvers you know if you break a part on a machine and you can't find that part you make that part um you can't Anything that anybody has ever touched has been touched by a machinist, whether it be in design and processing or just making it better and, and quality and controls. So um, it's CNC machining can run the gamut. You can you can make anything as simple as a hole in a piece of angle or, you know, as complicated as let's just say like a whole motor, <laughs> you can stick one of those in a whole CNC machine. So um, as a machinist, you, you really hone your skills. I mean, you can start out um, on a simple manual mill um, and go into a CNC vertical mill or, or a lathe. So I, um, I was fortunate enough to, to start on one, one machine and then work my way up to CNC. What is the, what's the, your most favorite project that, that you worked on, something that you created that was really- So uh, it, one of my favorites, which comes to mind only because it meant so much to me was um, at one of the companies that I had worked at, One, unfortunately, one of our coworkers had passed away um, and we had had a memorial service for them. And I ended up being part of making his uh, memorial plaque for one of the trees that we had planted at the at the place for him so it it was one of my favorites because it just meant so much to me 
Um, but there's, um, I know you can't see them, but behind me is a whole bunch of parts that, that I've made that I'm really, really proud of like fidget spinners and, and different things that I've engraved. But I'm, I really just, I'm really, really proud of being able to just be able to program that stuff and do it from start to finish. That's where I get like my pride is actually having something that I thought up in my head and, you know, conceptualizing it and seeing it in front of my face. That's that's really what has me coming back. It's it's thrilling to actually be able to do that. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, there's so much in construction. It's so big. There's so many layers and people think it's all about, you know, you follow the plans and you build the plans and the creative people are the architects. But there is so many other areas where there is artistry. And I think uh, machining is definitely one of those areas. Yeah, it actually, it, it is a form of art. It really is. It's a form of expression. Um, and, you know, you work with your hands and artists work with their hands and you can conceptualize and, and dream anything, really. It's, um, and technology is like a form of, I, I always had said this, is a form of like magic because back way, way, way back, if you would have thought about technology being the way that it is now, they would have maybe burned you at the stake 300 years ago. You know what I mean? So it's really is a form, it's a form of expression. And it really was an outlet for me for a, a long time. Um, it, I had struggled to try and find my way in, in my career as a machinist and being able to be on the machine and, and working not by myself, but being able to do things by myself really enabled me to open up and and really explore and find what my passion was. And I ended up being really, really happy and made me super happy and proud to be able to make things on my own and be independent. What do you think your biggest challenge was working as a tradeswoman? I think, in, especially in my trade and, and even in construction, I'm sure that you get the naysayers, right? You get the people that say, um, you know, you're not meant to be here, you know, and I never felt like I belonged. You know, I've, I've had a, a couple instances where it was really, really bad for a long time. Um, at one of the places that I worked at, they actually asked all of the male employees if it was okay for female work there. Um, and I just never felt welcomed, you know, and what struggled what was a big struggle with me was just being able to fit in and feel like I belonged somewhere. Um, you know, the, the content and stuff I, I learned, it was kind of easy for me. Well, I mean, it wasn't easy. I've learned it over 15 years, but it was something that I could, I could learn, you know, but being able to not change people's minds, but to be able to feel like I belonged and was part of a community was hard because I didn't get support. Um, but it only takes one person. And that's kind of why I'm, I am where I am today. I stopped working at a place where I could have made, you know, 40 plus dollars an hour to be a mentor and a trainer, because I really, I believe in that. I believe, you know, people need the support and the help and, they need somebody to care, really. It only takes one person. So that's why I chose to mentor and, and become a pre-apprenticeship coordinator because I really think I want to help build the future. 
and the future of manufacturing. And I want to see it diverse and I want to see young women feel supported and loved and cared about and, and taken care of and being seen is, is huge. So that's why I do my job. And, and I hope that in the future, I see more of that. Mm. Are you seeing a lot more diversity coming in uh, to the, uh, the pre-apprenticeship program? Um, I have seen very few women come into the program, so it's, it's a little disheartening, but I'm trying to find the avenues of maybe why they're not coming in. You know, and I'm I'm finding out that a lot of people kind of deter that. Um, it, it's difficult to try and, and get through to the kids when, you know, maybe they have their parents, for example. There's there's this stigma, I guess, with machining and manufacturing and and you know, it's still out there that it's a man's job and it's a dirty place and I want you to go to a four-year college. I mean, I hear it all the time. Um and, and I think that's what I'm fighting the most. You know, there, there's an interest and, and there's so many diverse fields in manufacturing. It's not just a dirty job. I mean, there's 3D printing now and, and there's robotics and animatronics and, and being a designer. And like you had said before, an artist, it's, there's so much to manufacturing and, and so many different things that you can do in manufacturing. And I just want to open people's eyes up to that. And and a machine doesn't care if you're a man. It doesn't care if you're a woman. It doesn't care anything about you. You know, you're you're in charge of that machine. It, people are biased, not machines, and and not in manufacturing. And I wanna I wanna foster that in women, especially because of just who I am and what I went through. And and I don't want to see another woman go through that. Um, so that's my goal is to just get to as many as I possibly can because they're wanted and they're needed. And uh, the people that I talk to, the CEOs of these companies say, yeah, don't tell them. But, you know, we really look for women because they are detail oriented and they bring different skills to the table that we're looking for. So they're wanted and needed. And, and I can't wait to hopefully add more in the future. Yeah, you know, we've had this discussion off and on through various episodes that we've been doing is, you know, how do we do that? Uh, how do we reach out? Uh, you know, NAWIC exists largely to support women in the industry, but one of our missions is to do outreach and get out there in the community and help educate the younger uh, generations on the opportunities that are available, the career paths that exist for them. Uh, we've had people on the show that have started nonprofits that their whole goal is to link up with the education sector and bring industry in and get those conversations going. Um, because we did beat the college drum for so many years you know, that that message definitely took hold and many mm -hmm. parents don't want their kids to go into construction. And it's interesting because I think I make great money in this industry. You oh, can yeah. use any of your talents. I mean, it's I mean, look at this STEM, all of the programs that can come out of STEM alone. 
So, you know, it's just, I think we just have to keep having the conversation. We have to keep getting to the right people, find ways to get to the parents, number one, Mm -hmm. Um, really get education on board. We're seeing here, even in the Central Florida area, a lot of the school systems are putting construction programs back into schools that they had taken out 10 years ago, which is really exciting. And, uh, you know, talking to the, the, well, they used to call them guidance counselors. Now they call them, you know, CTEs, but get them to really be aware of the kids that are in front of them because not everybody's on a college path and and that's okay. Right. Exactly. That's absolutely okay. Right. Exactly. So what do you think, uh, are some ways that uh, that we can get the word out more effectively? I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I mean, I've been um, in the time that I became a pre-apprenticeship coordinator. Um, I've been trying to travel around to the the technical schools, the technical colleges, the high schools, um, and look at their programs and really see what they're offering these kids. Because back when I was in high school, I graduated in 2007, I didn't get these kind of opportunities. And you have to really get ahead and and get ahead of that final decision where they make a four-year college decision where you could be like me. And I, I kind of regret it because I did go to a four-year college and I was kind of pushed into it and I didn't really have the option, you know, but these kids are now getting um, the opportunity to go into these pre-apprenticeship programs. They're having the opportunity to do internships and uh, job shadowing and mentoring and just getting out in front of them and being able to say, hey, there are programs out there like women in construction, you know, um, to really show them that, hey, there there are options because I didn't have those options when I was in high school. And I wish I did. You know, it might have changed my career path. It, it could have meant a, a big deal to me to actually have support. Um, so really getting in front of the kids earliest and earlier than ever before and giving them these options and and saying, look, this is what it's really like um, out in the field now is, I think, one of the best things that we could do. Mm. Yeah, because as you know, there's a skilled trades shortage. Um, Absolutely. Talking about this forever, it seems. It's everywhere. Almost. It's almost a crisis, really. I, I think it's coming up to being a crisis. And in York County alone, there's like 10,000 jobs, right? You can't go down the street without seeing help wanted signs. Um, and they're re- they're willing to take these kids out of my program um, and really start them on a career, um, you know, instead of just leaving high school and saying, oh, well, while you're in college, you can, you know, have a job while you're in college. These places are offering apprenticeships and careers to these kids right out of high school, which is, I think, a great opportunity for them to get ahead in life and get these skills um, that you said, like these jobs, these careers are very lucrative. You know, you can make a lot of money. um, And I just think that that's a great opportunity that they shouldn't pass up to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think women are a largely untapped resource uh, and not just young women. I think any women, there's a lot of uh, women in transition, changing careers. Uh, you know, maybe they started down one path and they have decided that's not the way. Um, you know, I think that the 
that workforce alone could be a game changer. What do you think the key is to getting more women into the trades? Um, I think, again, it's just the stigma. It doesn't matter how old you are. Um, it really just appealing to having, you know, on-the-job training, I think, and, and having the support. I mean, that was the biggest thing for me, you know, as as well as the benefits, you know, the maternity leave, um, being just being more accommodating um, in that aspect. Um, for me, like I said, it was, it was feeling the support, um, and, and the culture of the company. Um, when I talk about company culture, you know, it's, it's how they present, um, and how they attract a certain, a certain crowd. Like I, I went from a company that had like 400, 500 people, um, down to a company that had eight people. And the way that I was treated, um, was more like family. You know, these people that I, I work with are now more like family and they actually care about me as a person instead of a number. Um, and I really felt like that when I went and worked at one of the, the big company I worked at, you know, I felt like they needed me as that token woman in their machine shop, not like they wanted me because of my skills, um, but they wanted me because I was a woman. And I, the, and like I said, that was like the biggest thing for me was that I didn't feel cared about or taken care of or listened to. Um, and I, strongly urge people to become machinists and, and get into machining and manufacturing because there's room for everybody. And like I said, they're, they're really pushing to get women because they are detail oriented and they really do bring those different skills to the table that they're looking for. So it's, it's a great opportunity. I, I don't think I could speak on it anymore saying how great it is. <laughs> to be honest. But, yeah, I think too, this is something that touches to what's going on even right now. You know, we're hearing so much about the great resignation. And I think culture to me has it has so much to do with that. Um, I'm a former business owner and I, I I coach teams and things like that now. And I uh and I work with big teams, but I I see this every day. It's not because people are lazy and they don't want to go to work. It's right. because they don't want to work for those companies anymore. And COVID has shown us all that life is very fragile and can be very short. And why am I wasting my time at a company that is doesn't value what I bring to the table? So there's this big right. shift. I think it's more of the great shift than it is a resignation right. because there's people and going somewhere. It's burnout too. I mean, I was at a company, like I said, and, and they worked me, they worked me so hard that it almost made me question if I was in the right career. And wow. that to me, I did not know what stress was, <laughs> to be honest, um, what the physical manifestation of stress was until I left the company, you know, hindsight is 2020. Um, and not even the fact that I was losing my hair basically, um, told me that I needed to leave that company, but I woke up one morning and I was like, you know, I just, I can't do this anymore. I'm not valued. And uh, so I, I 
completely empathize and understand the great resignation because people are really, it opened up their eyes to what was really important in life and what they wanted to get out of life. And that was the same for me. And it made me question my career. And I found out it wasn't me, it was the company, you know? So I went into this career knowing that I wanted to mentor and, and I never wanted any girl to feel uncared about or any woman to feel uncared about or unsupported ever again. And I wanted to mentor and, and make sure that never happened. Mm. What advice would you give to young women who are thinking about a career in construction? Oh, don't just don't give up. You know, you are the best person that knows you, you know, everything about you, you know, don't listen to outside forces, you know, you know, you, you know, don't let someone else's uneducated opinion of you become what you think about yourself and make that your reality, you know, and always challenge yourself, but do it at your own pace. You know, um, it's, it's, it is not all sunshine and rainbows and there is, you know, a hard, it is hard. It's a lot of hard work and, and how I got to where I am wasn't easy, but you will be successful in life and take those, those small quick wins and, and build upon them, you know, people greatness is grown um and you know it doesn't you're you're not going to start out being the ceo of a company i mean you might start out mopping floors or something like that but you're going to get paid the same thing whether you're mopping the floors or you know running a machine so no task is is too small but just be willing to put in the time and the effort um and people really start to will start to see um, your skills and really start to see, um, who you are as a person and you will make your way, um, and up through a company quickly. If you, if you show them that you're dedicated, that you're a dedicated person. So, like I said, don't, don't let any outside influences influence who you are as a person. Um, and, and really like it, <laughs> it, it do, you, you are successful um, and, you know, empower other people around you and, and be that guiding light for some people and be that mentor because, you know, empowered women empower women. Um, so it's really what I hope, you know, I speak to like inspire people and hopefully save someone else's life because somebody spoke up and gave me some wisdom and changed my life. So really help the people around you and, and, you know, that'll set you up for success more than anything else. Mm, agreed. Empowered women empower women. I love that. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. that's a great statement. That's really great. So you strike me as a woman who has got goals and plans. <laughs> I definitely do. Would you be willing to share a big goal that you have for your career? Uh, well, in my career, I just... I would love to just get out there more and and to really speak my truth and and what had happened to me and through my experiences. Um, like I said, in the places that I've worked, I've been the only woman and I've been there and I felt alone. Um, but I I want to empower other women and I I want to 
you know, I, I love meeting you and your group and what you do for women. I think you're amazing and you're a super woman to me. And I just love hearing your story um, and hearing uh, the story of all the other women. But, you know, I, I take the world on my shoulders sometimes. And but I just I want to change the way that things have been um, one girl at a time, one woman at a time, one state at a time. But I would hope to maybe someday open an organization, something like yours, or just um, have my own shop, my own woman owned shop, basically. Um, And where, you know, you don't really have to worry about, you know, who you are, you can come dressed up, you can come in in your makeup, you can feel who you are, and have that that freedom. And I think that that, to me, is is would be just my my goal, my that amazing job, um, to just empower women and and really feel like, you know, get them motivated and and happy and um, make sure that they're challenged and educated in any way, every way possible and supported. So that's what I want to do. Oh, I love it. I hope to see you do it. Yeah. Miranda, you are a trailblazer, really, and and uh, you have such a big future in front of you. You've accomplished so much, and I think you will inspire. I mean, I think you already have, but you you will inspire so many by leading the way. And oh, I can't thank you. I appreciate it. Me here. This has been really great getting to understand your journey a little bit and learn from you. I think. These conversations, this is why we do this podcast, these conversations, they reach people and they hear something and, and, you know, it helps them. Women, I've actually gotten some feedback, you know, they feel like they're not alone in their journey. Yeah, right. We've talked to such a variety of people. So it's, um, it's really great what you're doing. And I just, I appreciate it so much. Thank you for coming here today. Well, thank you for asking me. Empowered women, empower women. I just love that so much. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. You can really hear how much Miranda loves what she does, not only as a tradeswoman, but in, through the influence that she is making with future tradespeople. She's really got a passion. A big thank you to Miranda Martz for joining me. And as always, thank you to our sponsor and partner, TouchPlan, a leading construction planning software that makes project outcomes more predictable and profitable. It delivers approachable, progressive job site data and analytic solutions that transform construction into a more collaborative, transparent, and predictable process. TouchPlan is committed to the belief that learning from data is the key to rapid recovery from project variances and improving project certainty. And thank you for joining me today. That's all for now, but just remember, we are just getting started.